Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Kyle, if that's true, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting and NDT Scouting, NFL and NFL Draft Analyst for FanRise Sports, and I would like to formally welcome you all to the latest Hump Day episode of the Draft Dudes. Today is October 25th, 2017. We are just days away from Week 9 of the 2017 college football season. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-pilot in life, Mr. Joe Marino, my work husband. Joe, happy hump day. How are we feeling today? Well, I was I was just called uh, your your co-pilot in life and your work husband, so I'm I mean, good, man. Yeah, uh, it, it I, feels I just, good to be to be needed and wanted, doesn't it? it? And appreciated, you know. And I think you just you encapsulated all of that uh, in in one intro there. And I'm just uh, I'm swooning, Cal, swooning. Yeah, the roses are in the mail too, so. You got more to look forward to when we're we're done recording here. Yes, yeah, so that's that's awfully kind of you, Kyle. Uh, yeah, doing good, man. It's uh, it's good to be here on a hump day edition of the show. Got variety, a smorgasbord of topics to get into today. But before we do, Kyle, let's let's get into today's number. We are 183 days away from the 2018 NFL Draft. And 183 is the amount of consecutive regular season starts Philip Rivers currently has. How about that? That's a good number, yeah. and that's uh, that's mighty impressive for Philip, considering uh, he's got he's taken some shots over the course of his career. He's a tough dude. Um, 
the he's the kind of quarterback that I personally feel like I would really gravitate towards as far as his personality and leadership as, as you know a, a figure in that Chargers locker room and oh you know, he always puts it out on the line and he's not the perfect player he he makes some mistakes he's a little bit of a gunslinger at times but I just love his brashness as far as his his swagger and attitude towards you know the opposition on the field. I, I think he's he's a really fun, really underrated passer, and as far as this current era of passers go, and he's really good. And I've had three games that I've had to cover, uh, three Chargers games that I've covered for FanRag Sports so far this year, and Philip Rivers is very much inventing himself, reinventing himself like Peyton Manning did. He doesn't have the arm strength that never had a big rocket arm to begin with, but it's it's declining. But his ability to throw with anticipation is just among the best in the league right now. So I have a lot of respect for for the way that he's evolving and you know extending his career outside of some of the deterioration of his physical ability. Any ideas, Kyle? Philip Rivers is at 183. There's one quarterback with a streak that is uh, an active streak that is longer than his. If you had one guess, who do you got? Eli Manning. Yeah, that's right. 206. So. Very good. Let's all right, see if you're on a roll. See how hot you are. A little heat check right here. The streak, the next longest. So it's Eli Manning at 206. It's Philip Rivers at 183. And then there's this guy at 121. Any guesses? Alex Smith. Oh, no. No, but it's Matt Ryan. Matt so, Ryan. Okay. Yeah, Matt, Matt Ryan. So he's, there's there's a ways to go. I mean, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers and Eli Manning are still playing, right? So, I mean, that that's a... 60 game buffer between the two. Yeah, I mean, I mean Ryan's got to play like another eight years to get to get up to that number. That's that's outrageous. Yeah, and the only other one over 100 is Matthew Stafford at 102. So there you go. There's all you ever wanted to know about active quarterback streaks. Now Russell Wilson's at 86, and that's damn impressive. I was going to say that's a miracle of modern science. Start started every single regular season game since nine nine two thousand twelve. So. And that's at 98, including the playoffs. So it's pretty pretty damn impressive that he's even, like, can walk uh, after playing behind those bums that they keep hauling oh, out in front. man, taking shots <laughs> at Tom Cable on a hump day. Yeah, he deserves it. So yeah, that's, I mean, I'm that, good. That, that model I think you're seeing, they're beginning to acknowledge, eh, you know what, we probably sh- shouldn't be taking, like, college defensive tackles and converting them over. Um that, like, because they've they've made early investments in the offensive line the past two years now, mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully they make enough investments to keep Russell Wilson upright and uh, able to run and walk and and do the things he needs to do to continue to be great as a quarterback and double yes. that streak, double that streak at least. He can do it. <laughs> He's a good football player, man. Um, Kyle, what do you want to get into first here? We've got a handful of top. All right. Well, but before we get into, I know we got four primary topics that we'd like to cover on today's show. Uh, Joe, I I need to put this out there. This has been on my chest for a couple days now, and I know that Boy. you know about this this topic. Although I haven't told you we're going to talk about it on today's show. Um, I spent a lot of time a couple days ago watching uh, Baker Mayfield tape. Okay, and Baker was so freaking awesome when I watched. The end of 2016, and watched the the coaches tape, and have watched 
I, I know it's hyperbole to say sometimes, but I watched literally every throw he's made in 2017 so far. He was so good, he inspired me to adopt his handlebar mustache from the end of last year. Do you still have it? Yes, I do. Oh my god. This I, is, this... I am walking around with the Baker Mayfield handlebar mustache from the end of 2016. I um, I thought that was <laughs> going to be like a quick take a picture, move on with your life type thing. Like, no, you're I've rolling. Been, I've been this. walking around in public for three days with it. I have no words. I I um, I guess my challenge to you, Kyle, is picks or it didn't happen. Share it with the people. Okay, so, I've seen so it. So we want to see more pictures of the handlebar mustache. Uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on? like a really good style facial hair. I know you're a goatee guy, right? No, I have a, I have a beard. Yeah, I know you have a beard, but you've also had a goatee in your I, time. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I'm under new management, yeah. So I, oh, I was, under new uh, management, gotcha. I, I, when I was single for a while, I, I rocked the goatee, um, and then uh, new management came along and wanted the full beard. So I've been rocking that for, I guess, like two years now. Okay, but... Uh, and, if, give the people a little expectation. I'm not going to put out any pictures until after this episode goes live for everyone to listen to. Describe the handlebar mustache. The ex. The ex. Oh gosh. Uh, so it's it's 1980s relief pitcher esque mustache on on Kyle Krabs right now, and, and I I'm I'm actually quite. This really take took me back because i you know of course i saved the pictures that you sent me for a rainy day when those might be handy of course but i didn't think that this was like a something you were ready to declare to the public so uh, i i thought this was kind of a delicate situation and, and you just came out and announced it uh to the audience at large and uh so i i am <laughs> i'm a little surprised and i'm i'm very happy as well because the combination i think it's just the combination of your of your mop your hair yeah and the mustache that really just is something else right now, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a trip. So you guys have that to look forward to in the coming days. I can't believe you've been rolling with this. I thought, <laughs> dude, I thought you, I could, I thought you were just gonna like shave later that day, like oh whatever. I you know I cleaned well, that, up a that little. Was the had plan. Some along the way. That was the plan. But every time I caught myself in the mirror, it was like, oh what's oh yeah, you still have that. You know what? Oh, that actually doesn't God. look half bad. So what are people saying to you? I mean, th- th- nobody's just giving you a pass. There's people you see on a regular basis uh, that nobody that have seen has you said anything. Nobody has said a thing. No, that's I don't believe that's crazy to me. Nope they're they're just accepting you. I mean, I see the extra look that I get <laughs> where they they greet you and they go to look away and then they're like, oh my god, what? And I'll <sighs> I'll kind of play with them a little bit where I'll be talking to them and I like. I'll stroke it with my finger and my thumb. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. And I wait. I like, I try and coax a comment and I haven't, I haven't got a single comment yet. You're that guy. Yeah. I guess I'm that guy. Does that really that's surprise terrific, you though? Man. This is the that's kind terrific. this is the same guy that said he'd wear like, that a guy. romper and guys that wear rompers don't have handlebar mustaches, Kyle. I think this is, oh, this is another layer. Another... Apparently they do. Yeah. Apparently they do. I, I am quite happy that this is now common knowledge. And uh, look forward to. I look forward to the grief that I'm going to be given about this. You're going to get. It. You're going to get it. You, you are. <laughs> let's let's talk about the NDT scouting uh, week nine college football poll, Joe. Not a lot of changes, right? We obviously had Notre Dame jump up quite a bit. They were 15th last week. They're up to 10th this week. But our top 10 is Alabama, Penn State, Georgia, TCU, Wisconsin, Clemson, Ohio State, Miami, Oklahoma, 
and Notre Dame. The only changes in that group from last week were Oklahoma moving from 10 to 9 and Notre Dame going from 15 to 10. Uh, rounding out the rest of the 15 is Oklahoma State 11, Virginia Tech at 12, Washington at 13, NC State at 14, and South Florida making their debut on the poll at 15. Um, Joe, this is something we talked about a little bit in the pre-show where uh, this is really going to change within the course of the next two or three weeks. Yes, there's a lot of season-defining stretches ahead for a lot of these teams. And, you know, I, I think Alabama and Georgia, they both have their contests coming against Auburn and then probably each other. But, you know, looking at Penn State, right, they're 7-0, and the number two spot in our poll, and they're in the middle of a stretch that includes Michigan last week, Ohio State this week at Ohio State, and then Michigan State next week. So, like, if they're going to be the number two team in the nation, we're going to know in the next two weeks if that's going to hold. And they take care of business, then, you know, there's there's little resistance the rest of the way. But uh, you look at them, you look at a team like um, Miami, right? Miami's 6-0. and um, number eight, there are, you know, there's a couple of one loss teams ahead of them on the poll and you know, they come up against UNC this week. Who's just been terrible, but then they go Virginia tech and Notre Dame, another season defining stretch. I'll, I'll give you one more Oklahoma, Oklahoma, who's their last three games have been th- uh, decided by less than one score. And they're getting ready to go through the gauntlet of West Virginia, TCU and Oklahoma state three of their next four games. So, you know, looking at that top 10, you know, it held serve this week, but there's some some games that you know somebody has to lose. You know, they <laughs> and it really, you know, we're going to find out, you know, who the, the cream is, and it's going to rise to the top. Yeah, I mean, you just dig through the major power conferences. You've got Alabama and Georgia in the SEC, Penn State, Ohio State, and I'm I'm still not counting Wisconsin because they have <laughs> the softest schedule oh, yeah. I've ever seen, and they have continued layups all the way through through to the Big Twelve or Big Ten championship game. So they're, they're in all likelihood going to run the table, enter the Big Ten Championship as an undefeated team. Uh, but I don't think they're real for one second. I think they're like 10th on my personal ballot. Um, the ACC has Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma, and TCU from the Big 12. Notre Dame's an independent in, in this mix. So all of these teams, essentially, they all play each other still. And then Oklahoma State still hasn't played Oklahoma. Virginia Tech hasn't played Miami, who's in the top ten. Uh, the the Pac-12 is dead, right? Like, there's no coming back for the Pac-12 after the, the losses that they've incurred so far this season? No, no. I don't think it can happen. I think they're out. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of big games to look forward to in the coming weeks for sure. Um, One more thing on this, Kyle. Yeah. Number right 14. Ahead. Number 14, NC State. Love, love what they're – doing this year they they lost fluke a very fluky loss uh to south carolina week one where debo samuel just was ridiculous in the return game but they've won six in a row and now they have notre dame they're going to notre dame this week and and then back home for clemson they can make some noise if they could pull off those two wins and and uh, i think they are capable of matching up with anybody so I'm, i'm anxious to see what the wolf pack does i may have just jinxed them sorry if i did but uh, don't sleep on, on NC State. And then Virginia Tech's also interesting. You talk about a team that's went out and took care of the business every single week. They lost to Clemson, but every week they're really dominating their opponents. So, you know, the ACC's got some intriguing play- teams in a year where Florida State's down, Louisville's trash, and, uh, you know, Clemson already has a blemish on their record. Right. That's the most fascinating thing is the, these aren't your traditional 
like last five years of mm-hmm. ACC powerhouses, it's is Miami back? NC State's a big upstart with a lot of talent. They have a ton of NFL talent on that team. Uh, Virginia Tech, they're, they're young in some key spots, but uh, they've got three or four defensive prospects who will be NFL starters at the next level. They got a couple of exciting uh, skill players as well, but they're still still young at the quarterback spot, and the running back position isn't super dynamic for them. Uh, Miami, uh, they, they've kind of just irked by the last couple weeks, but uh, this is going to be the ACC is probably what I'm most intrigued to see play out because the SEC it's really going to come down to Alabama, Georgia. The Big Ten is going to come down to winner of Ohio State, Penn State against Wisconsin, and uh, the Big Twelve is. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, a triple header where you know, these guys all play each other, and then you're going to take yep. the best two of those guys, and they're going to play in a championship game. The The ACC is just wide open. Yeah. Heck, Alabama and Georgia can both somehow lose a game the rest of the way and, and still play each other in the right. SEC championship right. game. So uh, it, it, that's that's one I, I feel good about putting that one in ink for the SEC championship. But, uh, yeah, we'll see, man. Big Big stretch ahead for a lot of these teams. Joe, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about on this show is, is look at some rookie performances and, and those who you know, we may be underwhelmed with a little bit. I know each of us have a case study of you know a draft class that, that teams are a little thirsty to get more out of, and, and one of those being the Cincinnati Bengals that I'd like to touch on really quick. Uh, I remember at the end of the draft – uh, some people were suggesting, oh, you know, the Bengals, look at their, their top four picks. They might have got three or four first-round caliber players in here with uh, John Ross from Washington coming ninth overall, Joe Mixon coming 48th overall, Jordan Willis and, and Carl Lawson, a couple of edge rushers coming 73rd and 116th overall. Um, they had a lot of picks in this class. They had four, eight, 11 overall draft picks in the 2017 NFL Draft, and they had four names, those first four names, that were really highly regarded players. Now, Carl Lawson's had some really nice plays, uh, but I think he only got like 15 snaps against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, John Ross has been hurt. Uh, color me stunned that John <laughs> Ross is hurt. Uh, Joe Mixon got, I think, five carries in the first half, did not touch the football in the entire second half. He's He's still not the starter there for the Bengals, and... Um, Joe Goodberry, who writes for the Bengals Wire, who, who I've followed for a really long time, he's a really smart guy, he's kind of put together this case study of uh, this rookie class and, and the Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff, and essentially saying, you know, they're nearing the end of their leash, and it's because they're so stubborn in refusal to kind of change their mentality and approach. And, and a great example of this is you watch Joe Mixon carry the football, you watch Jeremy Hill carry the football, and it's not super complicated, right? Like, <laughs> Joe Mixon is infinitely more talented and a better running back than Jeremy Hill yet. Jeremy Hill continues to be the starter. And uh, Marvin Lewis was asked after this loss to Pittsburgh, you know, why are you still starting Jeremy Hill? And his response was, it was a good chance for Joe Mixon to watch and learn. And that's kind of makes me think and wonder what Mixon's learning from Jeremy Hill other than to how not to play the running back position. Um, Mixon, 
you know, a, a great way to learn at the NFL level is to play and learn. And we'll talk about this a little bit later with uh, when we touch on you know, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz and you know, year one to year two for him. And, and we've got a couple talking points in regards to him. But you know, to continue to very clearly take a, a rookie out of the starting lineup because you perceive that he needs to grow mentally into a gig um i mean that's it's cool it's whatever i i guess i get it but to not get him any carries in the second half of a game that was within striking distance you know you have to get your best athletes the football and um you know mixon actually went out after the game and and commented on seeing Le'Veon bell kind of carry the load and how impressive that was and I uh, was frustrated that he he didn't get a chance to to do that for his team, and Marvin Lewis's response to that was, he needs to show maturity. We're not going to create a run when we're trailing by twelve points. Um, they were down twelve points with five minutes remaining in the third quarter. There's a third of the game left, so let's not act like you're running no huddle trying to run up and down the field. Yet he didn't get a single carry in the second half, and. Uh, the, the, this Mixon, Mixon's really the one that, that gets under my skin because he's very clearly the best running back that they have. Uh, offensive coordinator Bill Lazor recently stepped into that role uh, with them. They, they fired their offensive coordinator after a pretty lackluster start to the season. And they're, they're not capitalizing on the talent that they have. Obviously, John Ross has been hurt, so that, that exception kind of you know, you're not going to get anything out of a guy that's hurt and not on the field. But for, for Mixon, uh, Marvin Lewis said after this Pittsburgh game, uh, he's the leading rusher and doesn't know what people expect as far as an expanded role. Well, Mixon's caught 14 balls on 14 targets for the year. And for some perspective, you know, he was a good receiving back out of Oklahoma. Alvin Kamara's on pace for 91 targets. Christian McCaffrey's on pace for 135 targets this year. Leonard Fournette's on pace for 53 targets. Tariq Cohen's a third down back on pace for 82 targets. Now, granted, he is literally uh, probably one of three guys on that roster that can catch a football in general. But still, there's there's ample ways for you to cater your offense to the best personnel that you have. And because the Bengals are so stubborn in, in refusing to acknowledge, yeah, men's probably the second best skill guy that we have right now behind A.J. Green. We should probably get him more than five touches in a football game. It's a good illustration of how I think coaches can be their own worst enemy at times where they're not willing to let guys learn on the job. And uh, in the Bengals' case, it may be something that ultimately leads in a change being made in the coaching staff. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Yeah, yeah it's really weird comments, right? Like, uh, it's I, I don't understand you don't find ways to get Joe Mixon the football and why that's not a priority every single week. I mean, even I had some reservations on him as a prospect, but 
his ability, particularly as a receiver, like you mentioned, is where I got really excited about him. And, you know, Bill Lazor, he, he, that's what he does. He has that quick passing game. And not finding chances for Joe Mixon is peculiar to me. So we'll see. We'll see if that coaching staff is intact after the season. Kyle, another rookie class that is really underperforming so far this season is the keep pounding Carolina Panthers uh, group. And it's interesting. We didn't, I didn't think of this when we set up this show, but it's another situation where a running back is not really playing up to standard. And that's uh, Christian McCaffrey only averaging two and a half yards per carry. He's got 45 attempts on the season for 114 yards, no rushing touchdowns. And I would be concerned about that more if Jonathan Stewart, who's a proven back in this league was running well behind the same offensive line. He's not. He's got 99 carries for 295, and he's averaging three yards a carry. There's no space. This Panthers offensive line is not creating any space. And, you know, obviously the injury right now to Ryan Khalil, that hurts. And But he's, he's, been, he's been injured for, it seems like, the last two years. But then to, to throw the money that they threw at Matt Khalil to play left tackle was not an upgrade. And now they've got a lot of resources invested in – Matt Kilwill, and he's an underwhelming player at left tackle. Their guards are okay in Norwell and, and, and Turner, and then Darrell Williams on right tackle. And he's been a little bit down, and they have got a guy, Taylor Moten, who they drafted out of Western Michigan, who you thought could be a people-moving run, uh, run blocker. He's not getting on the field either. He can't beat out Darrell Williams. And, and so, uh, you know, I think a lot of their issues stem from the offensive line. It's been a, it's been a two-year problem now. A lot of it stems from Cam Newton, who's not played well for really about a season and a half now. He, he ever since the Super Bowl, all of last season and, and for most of this season, he's been up and down, but mostly down. There's been no consistency from him. Obviously, working back from the injury that kept him out through the entire offseason, where he didn't really practice until the end of training camp, and now he's getting worked into an offense where he's acclimating all these new pieces, Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel. He doesn't have Ted Ginn, who's been a, a consistent player for them. Greg Olson's now down with injury. There's all these moving parts, and they can't find any consistency. And through all of that, of course, the offense, the rookie offensive players aren't doing a damn thing. Um, but I don't think anybody needs to write Christian McCaffrey off. I mean, he's he's a really talented football player, but it's not like he's the only player having issues. This entire offense is out of whack. They scored three points against the Chicago Bears. And, you know, they're getting they're forcing the ball to McCaffrey in the receiving game. And you see some of those elusive traits, his ability to make people his consistency catching the football. But the entire package, you know, offense is a system. It's not just you have guys and, and they just suddenly can do what they do because they have a skill set. It all has to work together to put them in those positions to make plays and nobody's doing it for Carolina. And so um, don't write off these, these players they have because I think they can play. I think they can be part of a, of a rebuild of this Panthers offense. I really like what they did to add Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel because what they can do in the short, quick passing game and compliment Stewart and Newton in the backfield and give them that speed dynamic. You know, I think it does a lot of great things for this Panthers offense, but you know, it's it's not off to a good start, but it's not because those players can't play. This this Panthers offense has a lot of issues and they're a lot bigger than Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch the entirety of the Chicago game, but I did get a chance to watch the entirety of the Philadelphia Eagles uh game against uh the Panthers and just 
the targets for McCaffrey were so uninspired. It felt like it was like just just really vanilla. It felt vanilla, if that makes sense. Um, so there's this big rush to judgment to to get a snap decision based off of seven, eight games, you know, you saw it with Jared Goff last year, and, um, no, even a, even a season, season and a half, you know, for a lot of these players, uh, onboarding to an NFL offense or defense, and, you know, getting used to the speed of the game, and the size of the playbook, and, you know, new teammates around you, like, the special ones, oftentimes, it happens instantaneously, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen instantaneously. And if it doesn't, that doesn't mean you can't play. Now, for some guys, uh, Nelson Aguilar is a great example. Philadelphia Eagles just talked about the Eagles, and I'm going to talk about Carson Wentz here in just a second. Uh, Aguilar was terrible as a rookie and very inconsistent as a second-year player. And all of a sudden, the Eagles trade Jordan Matthews, and they they make space to allow Aguilar to do a lot of what he was asked to do in college from a route running perspective, and you know, he's given more clean releases and working out of the slot, and athletically he's a lot more quick twitch than a lot of guys you find in the slot, and you know, the Eagles are running some RPO options and, and, and targeting him that way, and he's making a killing in the middle of the field, which he did at college, and he's catching the ball clean, he's on pace for 10 or 11 touchdowns this year. It's a process, and, and talent allocation is just that. You're allocating talent. It doesn't necessarily mean, specifically in the Panthers' case, where they have holes in other areas of the team that are, are really problematic, it doesn't mean it's always going to be instantaneous. So in Carson Wentz's regard, uh, what a game he played on Monday Night Football. He was terrific in this game, and... What I was prompted to do over the course of that game was go back, pull out my 2016 NFL draft report on Carson Wentz, um, and and post that to NDTScouting.com. And I wanted to kind of gloss over the highlights of that uh, for listeners to the show so they could either be prompted to go over and check out the full report for themselves or at least get uh, some insight into where I personally stood on Carson and I Joey. Joe, I know you have a topic coming up for FanRag that I want you to tease a little bit. Um, But Carson, for me, as he was for you, Joe, we both had him rated as as our respective 14th overall prospect in the 2016 NFL Draft. He went second overall, and I don't have a problem with him going second overall because if you ultimately feel like he's he's a viable first-round target and you need a franchise quarterback and, and... you know, you have an early pick. If he's worth picking at 14, that's the one position I say he's worth picking at one or two. So if he's your guy, which the Eagles very clearly felt like he was, and it's looking increasingly more and more like they were correct in, in feeling that way, uh, it's a home run. You know, you have to have a franchise quarterback. I want to read through my evaluation of Carson. A couple things stand out. Uh, one of them being I, I kind of underrated his ability to drive the football coming out of college. Um, I would say at the Senior Bowl, uh, his arm was more live than I had anticipated at the Senior Bowl. Joe, I think I remember saying something to you throughout the course of the week that, like, yeah, he's, he's got a better arm than I thought he did. Um, so seeing him you know, make an, a touchdown throw 
that travels 64 yards in the air from release point to where Matt Collins catches it on Monday Night Football against the Redskins, uh, and doing that with accuracy and and you know some of the times where he loads up and uses his legs and, and generates a whole lot of power coming from his lower half. Uh, I think that's an area where he's made some improvements out of versus where he was at college. Um, but it is a testament to to his growth as a passer that well, he's much much improved in that area ver- versus where I felt he was at the college level. And the other thing I underestimated with Carson is the onboarding process. This was somebody I thought would would probably need two or three years before they really kind of came into their own. Carson did it in a year, and um, he's he's been absolutely terrific this year, and it really surprised me that it happened as quickly as it has this year because Aguilar's at a, a new role in the slot, even though he's doing more of what he's good at. Uh, Ertz has really taken a next step, and he's one of the few targets there uh, that is a repeat. Uh, from from the previous year, they've got two brand new receivers on the boundary. They got a brand new running back, so there's a lot of new pieces here. And, and Carson's really the catalyst that's kind of brought it all together and, and made it be as successful as it has been. And, and seeing that that mastery of the offense uh, is really impressive. A couple things that I was was pretty accurate with Carson in regards to you know evaluating the college film was. Uh, I thought he had really strong accuracy and placement on throws in the short and intermediate areas and was consistent in that regard. He makes terrific decisions with the football. Uh, He really, you know, throughout the course of his second year starting at North Dakota State, had developed a strong sense of timing as a passer. And that's why, you know, when I wrote up his his draft assessment, uh, I thought he'd be best served in a West Coast-style offense. Um, And... Doug Peterson coming off of the Andy Reid tree. Andy Reid is a proponent of West Coast-style passing. You know, they've added some more vertical elements, but you almost have to in today's NFL. Uh, So I think the fit, the scheme, the mentality of the coaching staff uh, really meshed well with what Carson did at college. He's made some improvements as far as his fundamentals and generating more power on his throws. And then just really seeing him mentally master this offense and bring it all together. It's been a really wonderful growth and trajectory for Carson Wentz over the course of his first 23 games in the NFL. Yeah. And, and um, man, I'm obviously very impressed with Carson Wentz. Um, I tweeted something out during that game that um, I don't know if you, this has happened to you probably with how crazy things got with your uh, Will Greer tweet. I loaded up Twitter, Twitter like an hour after I tweeted honest question, which NFL team right now, wouldn't trade its current starting quarterback for Carson Wentz. I loaded up Twitter on my phone and I get this notification that says, you're getting a lot of notifications. Do you want us to set up some filters to help control it? Uh, So yeah, it was that kind of night for me on Monday night after I I tweeted that out. And then a big shout out to Cammie Griffin, who retweeted it to all of her cowboy lover fans. Oh no. uh, So, so the Dak Prescott truthers, uh, lit me up and they still are. We're recording this on Tuesday night and my, my phone's just been nonstop. So um, I, I'm excited because I'm really going to elaborate on that thought in, an, in, in a piece for fan reg sports on Thursday where, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's more than 140 words to kind of generate some discussion. I'll get into the specifics of why I think that's a, a true statement and get into some of the teams that, I think give me some pause and and some of the things that I think people missed um, from miss from 
you know, me posing that question, man, I, people on Twitter are just, they're ruthless. It's, it's like, you can't even have like a normal conversation. People get key keyboard muscles and nasty, but, uh, it's okay. It's okay. I, I've got some thick skin, but, uh, stay tuned for that on Thursday. I'm going to get into that on, on a deeper level. And, uh, Kyle, what's your, what's your knee jerk reaction to this comment that I, that I made here? I know that you think I'm an idiot, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so but from, am I so... crazy? I'm, Go ahead. Yeah, so for those listening, uh, Joe's in this monologue, and I, I went out of my way to identify this tweet that was sent out 24 hours ago for when recording and, and simply respond. It was his 66th response to the tweet, and I said, you're an idiot. With the wrong it, your, before anybody yeah. jumps on my case as far as grammar police, that's that's on purpose. Don't worry. You, the, the amount of people that quote tweeted it. So, like, that's, that's not a lot of replies, but the quote tweets have just been... Oh man, man, and right up there with all the CJ prep. Beathard stuff, man. Oh, that's that's impressive. If it's on yeah. the level of hate that we that we yeah, saw it, for the CJ Beathard takes that it, we had, it was, it was. Uh, yeah, my initial response is you you'd really only have a handful, if if more than probably three or four. Um, just kind of going through the checklist because right now you're you're factoring in not just caliber of play, but you're you're factoring in longevity and uh, the future prospects. So somebody like the New England Patriots, they probably have one or two more years of of Tom Brady, but if you could flip that for a, a decade plus of Carson Wentz, do you do it? Uh, I don't have a whole lot of arguments suggesting otherwise. So I think that's where this, this conversation gets really interesting because – there's more to it than just, yeah, Carson Wentz is playing really freaking good right now. So, right. you know, do we want that upgrade or is that a parallel move? No, it's you're talking about this is a guy that's in his second year. He's made 23 starts. Um, he's continuing to get better and better and more dynamic. And, I mean, that, that touchdown throw he had to Corey Clement on Monday night was amazing because he knows he's going to get popped right in the mouth by a linebacker. And he still steps up. He's, he's not in a proper throwing position. And that ball is just perfect. So those kinds of flash plays for Carson compared with the athletic profile that he has, the arm that he it turns out that he's, he's really developed and um, his youth and, and ability to continue to grow and reach a higher ceiling. Uh, yeah, I, I can't think of a whole lot other than maybe three or four teams. Sure. And, and so what, what's, I think what's been most frustrating from, from me reading through all these responses is people think I said Carson Wentz was the best quarterback in football. And that's not what I said. It's not what I said at all. It has a lot to do with exactly what you meant in terms of what you said about the scenario that goes with it, the age, the contract, and, uh, you know, what you could potentially be getting. So, um, I'll, 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 uh, I'll defend my case more in depth here on Thursday, but um, certainly made some waves there on the Twitter machine <laughs> on Monday night. And Philadelphia Eagles fans, you are some lucky folks to have Mr. Carson Wentz as your starting quarterback because he looks incredible. Kyle, any other uh, any thoughts you have here before we wrap? No, I believe um, I believe that is all. Go Sixers! Trust the process. Got our first win, so feels good. Period. Dwight Howard was 0 for 9 on free throws nice. against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. But he had 22 nice. rebounds. So. Yeah. You have one job. 
Yeah, yeah. So that'll do it for us today here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Do me a favor, guys. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you are not missing anything that we're doing. And the best way to do that is hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast thing that you use to listen to podcasts are. Uh, Make sure you're staying connected with us on social media. That way you can catch my stupid tweets where I'd say Carson Wentz um, is the quarterback nobody would trade, that every team would trade for. Uh, I'm at the Joe Marino. Kyle is at NDT Scouting, and we also have a Twitter handle for NDT Scouting, which is at NDT Scouting LLC. We'll be back again on Friday to talk about the weekend ahead in college football. Kyle and I both have scouting trips for this weekend, so we'll we'll preview those and talk about some of the stuff we're excited to see, as well as the other big NFL draft prospect implications uh, for the weekend that will be. Uh, Signing off for Kyle Krabs, I am Joe Marino, and thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Suit up. Mission Impossible Fallout is 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of the best action movies ever made. Showtime. Rolling Stone calls it off the charts spectacular. What is he doing? I find it best not to look. A thrillingly clever story filled with twists and turns. Target Ethan Hunt. We should be dead. Why aren't we? With an ending that will blow you away. We interrupt. In. Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible Fallout. Now playing. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.